everyone, and welcome to the Step Over Podcast. My name is Josh Lemoyne. Thanks for, for joining for a little bit uh, to chat everything Ottawa soccer. We've got a fantastic guest today. Kwame Telemac is going to be joining in a little bit. He's the technical director for West Ottawa Soccer, so we're going to get to know him a little bit uh, and chat about West Ottawa. I think you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, but first, a few updates on some local players. So first, you might have seen uh, the women's national team roster announced for the upcoming Arnold Clark Cup, which I believe you'll be able to watch on TSN, so good on them for, for picking that up. Obviously, Ottawa's Vanessa Gill was named to the roster, so she's expected to to be a starter. Now, there's three new players uh, who have not been named to teams before who will be making an appearance. Uh, Devin Kerr, Mary Yasmin Alidou, uh, and Tanya Boychuk, who is from the University of Memphis. Now, um, on a previous episode, we've talked to Clarissa Larissi, uh, who is a former teammate at the University of Memphis uh, of Boychuk's. So obviously really cool to see a new face. Um, and of course, uh, I'm a big fan of Clarissa's. She's been on the show. She's from Ottawa. Um, and she's been tearing it up in, uh, in Scotland for Celtic FC. And I was thinking like, um, you know, at one point, does maybe Larissi get a, you know, a call up to the national team? So I asked that question on Twitter uh, to Alexandre Gangay-Ruzik. And I apologize if I don't pronounce your name right, Alexandre. Um, but he's one of the best soccer journalists in Canada. Um, does a really great job of covering both the men's and women's sides. And basically what he was saying is players like Larissi or, you know, someone like Chandra Davidson, uh, who plays with uh, Sporting CP, you know, the Scottish League and the Portuguese League. Um, on the men's sides, those are those are quite re- well-regarded leagues. Um, but on the women's side, they're still, they're still coming up. Uh, they don't quite have that standing. Now a player like Chloe Lacasse, uh, who also plays in Portugal, has become a bit of a mainstay on on the national side now. But she uh, scores at an unbelievable pace in Portugal, and she and she needed to do that, you know, to earn that call up. So in all likelihood, a player like Chandra Davidson or Clarissa Larissi uh, will probably need to take another step up into a a more highly regarded league, you know, before they get that call. But Clarissa has been doing really well with Celtic. Um, and she's not been there a long time. Less than a year ago, she was still with Memphis, but since then she's won national championships in Iceland and in Scotland. So she's done quite well in the last year. Um, and who knows, maybe another move might be in her future in the next year or two. I also wanted to touch on a player from the University of Ottawa, Sadie Sider Eckenberg, was invited to racing Louisville's preseason training camp. Now Sadie was, um, was a rookie for the GGs this, this past season. Um, and she comes out of the Futuro Academy in Ottawa. And I was tweeting a bit with uh, WSoccer.ca, which is a fantastic Twitter account to follow, by the way, for all things women's soccer. And Sadie might be the first player uh, in U-Sports history who is not already part of the women's national team program to get invited to an NWSL preseason training camp. So it's a huge accomplishment for Sadie um, and uh, really speaks to the quality of um, the OUA and and uh, U-Sports and the GG's program specifically. So I really want to check up uh, on Sadie's experience in the next week or two. So uh, so we'll see about that. And also, I want to give a shout out to Antoine Coupland. Of course, you know Antoine from his days uh, playing with the Fury. He's played the last two seasons with, with Atletico Ottawa. Now, he spent the winter trialing with some teams across Europe, you know, kind of betting on himself. And it looks to have paid off because he's now been signed to his first full pro contract uh, in the Croatian First Division uh, with HNK Rijeka. Yeah, I looked up how to say it. Now, like Croatia, it's not, you know, it's not a top league, but 
you know, he'll be playing against the likes of Hajduk Split and Dinamo Zagreb. You know, two quite well-known teams. Rijeka has been doing very well. They're, I think they're in third in that top division. And in the last few years, they've they've qualified for the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League. So he's going to get exposure to a lot more European eyes, which which was the goal. Now, people who have played with Antoine, uh, they just say that he's uh, like such an unbelievable technical player. Um, and that's probably going to be appreciated more in a European league. You know, he's probably going to get a chance to shine a little brighter over there. So I'm really excited to see what Antoine does uh, on his new European adventure. So good luck, Antoine. Now, as I said, got a really fantastic guest coming up right now in Kwame Telemach. You're really going to like it. So here's my chat with Kwame. He played college in the States and was an NCAA All-American he played professionally in Belgium, Portugal, and Ireland. Uh, he's coached St. Anthony's men's premier team to a provincial and national championship. Um, and on top of being a assistant coach for the Carlton Ravens, he also holds the title of technical director for the West Ottawa Soccer Club. He is Kwame Telemach. Kwame, welcome. It's really great to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, there, I have I have a ton of questions for you. Um, I was, uh, you know, I spent last night thinking like, okay, I I need to 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 keep this to a tight interview, um, so I can't ask you everything I want to. Um, but uh, you know, the first thing I want to ask is, you know, West Ottawa was in the news recently. Um, you know, we just came kind of came out of some some uh, kind of lockdown situation, um, but you made the best of it. And uh, after a snowstorm, uh, you had people outside clearing off fields. Um, what was that yeah. like? It was, uh, you know what, it was kind of one of those things where you had an idea in your head and I was kind of thinking back to my old childhood back in way, way back in the day. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I used to just clear things and, and just figure it out and play it in these bad conditions, right? So I said, I wonder if people would take to that idea. And lo and behold, all of a sudden you got like 50 to 60 volunteers shoveling off a field. Kids are out there just having a blast. We had the hot chocolates and coffees going and... Uh, yeah, we cleared off the field about two thirds of an eleven v eleven pitch, and we got some kickabouts going in the middle of January. So it's pretty cool. Right on. So, like, is that something that you've done before with this field, or or uh, it was just kind of born out of necessity? No, it was. It, we've never done it before, and it was just kind of one of those things where just, you know everybody's. I mean, I'm sure everybody was in the same boat, and like yourself, we're just kind of kind of depressed with another set of restrictions another kind of lockdown yeah. <laughs> where we we couldn't you know couldn't do anything again right so we're like you know what well let's see what we can do that i knew restrictions were fine for outdoor activity and i saw a lot of kids at the outdoor rinks and you know people skiing and doing all sorts of winter activities i'm like well let's see if we can do soccer outdoors we got a, we got a field for a field let's give it a go and see what happens so um you know was there any inspiration from oh we saw the men's national team play at the uh um, at the Ice Teca over in Edmonton. Uh, did you draw any inspiration from that? 1,000% I did. I mean, as we saw, you know, uh, the boys playing in Edmonton, like in minus 12 or whatever it was, and on crazy conditions, we're like, well, I mean, maybe we start, you know, raising the next generation in that same mold, right? So it uh, it was the perfect inspiration, and uh, it was great to get it done. That's fantastic. So how did the kids like it? You know what, the kids, actually, I thought it would have been maybe a little too, too chilly for them. I thought maybe it would have been like, you know, quite, isn't quite like the thing. I think they're just so happy to be outside with their friends, uh, kicking the ball around. There wasn't really any instruction. Like, we weren't coaching, per se. It was just letting them 
out there, play little 5v5 games and have some fun with it. So they seem to have a blast. Um, so I do have a... I'm, I, I think it's probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyways because <laughs> uh, someone has to. Um, so you're the technical director for West Ottawa. What is a technical director? I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of almost like you're wearing a lot of hats at once. Uh, you know, you're, you're helping basically mold the technical direct, the technical direction of the club in regards to, you know, what, where do we see our, our identity as uh, on the field, off the field, um, our, our, you know, what, what we want to try to bring to our players in terms of a brand of, of the game. Um, so kind of, delivering that those messages through your coaching staff through the full-time staff as well so and handling a lot of behind the scenes administration with uh, canada soccer ontario soccer and that sort of thing okay cool uh i like to ask the stupid questions so the good listener doesn't have to then they can feel smarter <laughs> so thank you i appreciate that no um <laughs> now um you know something i try and ask basically like everyone that i have on is it's just like how they first got introduced to soccer like how did you first get into it you know what? I'm, uh, you know, I'm the, I was the first one in my family born in Canada. Um, you know, like my parents are from the, uh, from the country, the country of Trinidad and Tobago, so from the Caribbean. Um, and, you know, soccer is just everything down there in the West Indies and the Caribbean. So, um, you know, when, you know, when they came to Canada, obviously it was in their blood and I started playing soccer at a young age. Uh, I'm from originally from Montreal and, uh, you know, started playing in the local, you know, inner city soccer, house league soccer when I was three, four years old. And I just grew up loving the game. And it's the one game that I've just continuously played all life, even though I've done a lot of different activities, you know, basketball and martial arts. Soccer has always just been a staple. And I just fell in love with the game. Like, did you have like a, like a favorite team growing up? Um, Yeah. You know what? Well, I think in my era, I was like, I mean, I maybe got this from my dad. It was like, you you lived and breathed Pele. So everything was Brazil at the time. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I'd read a whole bunch of Pele books and watch that movie with Pele and, uh, and alone, like, you gotta look it up. It's like old school. And it's kind of like one of those things that was embedded in me. It was kind of like Brazil a little bit. But then as I kind of grew into my own little, you know, early teens, adolescent type of age, I, I started to really like France, like the France national team. I started okay. to really look into them and uh, I still support that group. And now obviously with Canada, you know, being the force that it is, it's obviously as a Canadian, you have to go with Canada as well. But, uh, you know, my team as a club team would be Arsenal probably. So I hate to say that out loud right now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's what most Arsenal fans kind of have to, that's that's kind of their take right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like when you were growing up, you know, you mentioned Pele. Um, uh, but my understanding is that you were more of a defenseman uh, when you played. Like, was there a player that you tried to emulate? You know what? Uh, it was funny. Like I, I, like I said, I grew up from a really old school time, and the like, videos and stuff that I got, you know, were from like the the, the Beckenbauer days, like that Germany team in the seventies, and yeah. and uh, players like that. I grew up watching uh, Reichardt and Desai, uh, those kind of center back types were just dominant and decent on the ball as well. Um, I think when I was a player, I was a bit more of a ball-playing type center back, which is maybe a little bit different. I think it's, it's more of a modern game now, but back then it wasn't quite so. So I kind of was a bit of a hybrid center back, either a center mid or a center back, depending on the, the formation and the team. But uh, I think I would have said I, those were kind of my inspirations growing up for sure. Okay. Um, and so you said that you were born in Montreal. Um, like what? Yeah. At what point did you make your way to Ottawa? 
my first time in Ottawa was with um, uh, a professional team at the time called the Ottawa Wizards. Okay, um, yeah. They were around uh, in the two, 2001, 2000, 2003. Uh, so that was my first time ever coming to Ottawa. And I played with them for two seasons, uh, the first two seasons of the of the, of the franchise. Um, and I'll be honest with you, as a Montrealer, you're kind of like, well, Ottawa, why would I, you know, why would I leave Montreal to go to Ottawa? Because Montreal is a bit more of a, you know, party town atmosphere. Um, but when I came here, I really fell in love with the place, uh, you know, just with the people, um, with the area, with, the, you know, the... I saw so much of a bright future for the place, for the city. It was a quite a smaller town back, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it was. It's just blossomed to a, to a bit more of a metropolitan now, even though it still kind of holds that uh, small town feel. Um, and I like the proximity of Montreal, Toronto. You can kind of almost get anywhere being in Ottawa. So it's been it's been great being here. And so uh, my, that was my first stint here. And then when I uh, I kind of left and continued playing, uh, playing in different areas. Um, and when I, when I came back and I started coaching, there was only one place I thought of, which was coming back to Ottawa. Like, why was Ottawa the one place that you considered for that? Um, it, it, it felt like a place that was with so much potential. Um, you know, at the time, there was obviously some really great coaches in the area, and I just wanted to kind of learn from those some of those guys and kind of bring my own flair to the the Ottawa scene. It was just a almost like a, a blank canvas, so to speak. So it was really nice to kind of be a part of that landscape. Okay, are there any? um like are, are there any coaches you want to like uh name as particular influences on you yeah i mean when i first came i think uh klaus lindenberger who's from the almont area uh he was a coach he was our head coach of the wizards um as well as uh boris i can't, i'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because it's it's a <laughs> it's a tough one but he was the okay. first uh coach of the wizards and i just recently retired as the technical director at the Nikian Oxfords. um and these are guys that kind of molded the area, uh, Trian Mateus, um, Tony Harrison, uh, Roy Hillier. So these are guys that are pretty much legendary with youth soccer in the area. And guys, I kind of started to get myself around to learn from them to kind of, you know, get a bit more, get a bit of mentorship, if you want to call it that, and just kind of learn, learn the ropes. Okay. Um, so you had a pretty interesting career. Like, uh, so you, you first played university ball in the States uh, and then professionally abroad. Um, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about your experiences, like first, you know, first moving to the States and, and then to Europe. Yeah, well, actually, it's a, it's a little bit reverse. I actually went from uh, being, uh, going to Europe first. So I okay. started off, I went to Europe first. So I was in Belgium, Portugal for a hint uh, with, uh, with Ghent and with uh, Maritimo. Okay. Um, so I was there for quite a bit, uh, for a little bit. And then I came back home. Um, and as I was coming home, I got a, a scholarship offer to go to the U.S. Um, at the time, the school was an NEIA school, so it didn't really, with NEIA schools, you, you, you know, you could have basically played professionally ago, still a <laughs> scholarship compared to the NCAA rules, so it worked yeah. out great for me. Um, and as they, they became an NEIA and transitioned to NCAA too, um, you know, in my time there, but uh it, it was it was interesting because it was a different time back then. Uh, you know, social media wasn't a thing. Uh, like, you know, Facebook and all stuff did not exist. This you're talking about the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, it, it, it was a struggle because, you know, back then when you went abroad, it's like, well, Canada, all they all, all they do is ice hockey. Like, what are you coming over here to play soccer for? So it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, it was, there was a lot of, you know, I really, you know, I, you know, I was a fairly good player at the time being here in Canada, but when you went over there, you're just a dime a dozen. So you really have to go up there and prove yourself. And 
that next level and see what you can do. But it was an experience that I'll never forget. And to be honest with you, kind of what molded me into the person I am today, right? So um, it was a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. So like, how how old were you then when you went over there? Uh, I was uh, just seven, 17, 17 turning 18 when I first went over and uh, to the, to the U, sorry, to Europe. And then when I came back to the U.S., I was 19. So I got my scholarship, I was 19. Uh, I was at the, uh, the university for a couple of years. Uh, we had a great, you know, it was a small school. It was like a three, 4,000 person college uh, just outside of New York City in New Jersey called Felician College, Felician University now. Um, and we had a great run. We had a great uh, bunch of players on that team from all over the world, from Ireland, Ecuador, Colombia, Canada as well, obviously, uh, the U.S. Um, and we had a great run. We went to nationals um, for such a small school. It was you know, amazing, amazing achievement. It's the last time, still the last time the team, the team went to nationals was oh, wow. that okay. year. So it was uh, one of those special runs. And um, yeah, yeah, it was great. Fantastic. Um, so you've been with West Ottawa for a while now. So last year, the club's former technical director, Christina Kiss, uh, you know, she left to take a job with Canada Soccer. Um, oh. So you were named the acting director. And then two months later, uh, you, you know, you were made the permanent technical director. Um, like, what was the hiring process like? And, and like, how did you sell yourself as as the guy to to be in charge, to like lead the club? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting process, as you said. It, you know, Christina, um, you know, got a fantastic opportunity with Canada Soccer, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, it was it was tough for me to take because I learned so much from Christina. Um, she was a fantastic PD and a fantastic person to work with, uh, work for, um, and uh, you know, it was obviously a tough, a lot of big, big shoes to fill. It was a tough role to to consider, and you know, for me, it was more about continuing some of the things that we started to implement and kind of obviously bring my own taste and flair to the position. Um, so, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to receive the acting role as kind of being the senior guy on staff staff at the time. And it was a tough one because we were going into, I don't know if it was our second or third lockdown at the time, coming out of it, trying to get a season put together in a matter of like a week uh, to kind of get a summer of some kind in 2021. Uh, it was, it was, it really, at some points, I'm like, man, did I just kind of get in over my head a little bit? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got, I got through it. And, um, you know, luckily without too, not too many issues. And from there, the position then went, you know, basically uh, it was posted to everyone, to anyone that can apply. And there was over 90 people that applied worldwide for the position. Um, and, you know, I, I think the one thing that probably, you know, helped me in, in, in getting the position is just knowing the environment being in Ottawa, um, I think, you know, I've done well to kind of have the respect of people in the area and, and, and you know, in the province and, and hopefully in the country as well. And uh, being a part of the culture of the club for such a while, I think, helped me with, uh, with the process. And, you know, uh, just being myself, just being honest and open and, you know, saying, hey, listen, I have a vision. I'm probably going to make mistakes along the way, but I'll definitely learn from them and continue to press on just like you would in a 90-minute in a game. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, like what have been some things that you've learned so far on the job? Um, to have a, some thick skin, <laughs> <laughs> to have some thick skin. There's going to be moments when you may say things or do things that people may not like or enjoy, um, but they have to be said. Um, if you're the senior figure and the person that kind of, you know, makes decisions and has to answer for them. Um, and some people may not enjoy that, but I think it's important to have thick skin and be honest and be open. That's, that's some of the biggest values I've learned so far. 
so there's you know there's clubs across the city um but like every club uh runs a little differently or has like a different vibe so besides like obviously the the geographic area that in that you know west ottawa um like how would you define west ottawa soccer club or or like kind of what it strives for i would i would describe west ottawa soccer a place where players can come and develop no matter where they are in their soccer journey um you know if you're a recreational player if you're a competitive player if you're an elite player if you're you know an elite player that's pushing on to hopefully push on to you know university opportunities professional opportunities we're a place that no matter where you are in what stage in your you know in your career and your journey through soccer we'd want to have a place a place for you um and it's not going to change our philosophy won't change depending on you know, where you are in that spectrum in regards to not our philosophy, but more so our, our culture. We want to try to build a culture where regardless if you are just here to have fun and play recreationally once a week, or I am here to be, you know, top of the pyramid, I want to try to put your team Canada on the men's or women's side, we're going to treat you um, exactly, exactly the same and treat you with as much, much respect as possible and to hopefully build you as a person, not just as a soccer player. So, you know, like, is there a geographic area that like West Ottawa, um, like is, is kind of bound into like, how far um, does the club stretch? Well, it's a fairly big geographic area. Cause right now you would consider basically Canada, Spitzville, um, carp, all that West end of the city type area to be West Ottawa technically territory. Although in soccer, we don't really have boundaries per se. We have, yeah. players, we have players from all over the city. Um, actually even players that come from Kingston. Uh, to come oh, wow. and uh, train and play with the club. So, you know, that's our geographic area in terms of our locations of our fields and our office and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're open to any and everyone. Okay, right on. Um, so the local pro club, I let go Ottawa now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they've got some other clubs under this, like powered by Atletico program. Um, so kind of like a, like a more formal sounding relationship, I guess, with those clubs. Um, as of right now, like West Ottawa isn't, one of the powered by Atletico clubs, but, but I did notice um, last year, Drew Becky, um, you know, where their players came by at one point, uh, which was cool to see. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, does the club have, have a, have a relationship with, with Atletico? Yeah, I mean, we do. I mean, I, I you know, I've spoken to Fernando, who's their, um, their general manager and CEO, uh, or sorry, president for, um, you know, for a season or so now um, we have a relationship and we're working towards, you know, building probably a, a stronger bond and uh, and seeing where that goes. But we definitely do have a relationship with them. And, you know, we've had uh, some players go into their environment for training opportunities. Uh, as you know, Drew Becky has come in and, and helped coach a few of our youth teams as well. So there's definitely a relationship there. Um, yeah. So something that turned a few heads, um, more than a few heads in the soccer community, like across Canada, um, was uh, League One Ontario announcing that they were like restructuring the league. Um, so turning it into like a kind of a, a three-tiered league with promotion and like, re- and with promotion relegation by 2024. So mm-hmm. like, I know the West Ottawa at one point did have teams in, in both the men's and women's divisions. The club doesn't right now, but um, like, is that something that's on the radar? And like, does this restructuring um, you know, affect whether or not West Ottawa wants to like re-enter, you know, the the League One uh, realm. Um, yeah, it's a great question. You know, what we we actually only had the women's side. We didn't have a men's team. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Okay. Had, no, yeah, we just we just had the women's team for I believe it was two seasons, two or three seasons. 
Um, and it, uh, it proved very beneficial. Don't get me wrong. Um, just to be at times it got tough because with that, um, you know, with that, you're talking about women, some of them have you know, jobs, they've got other things going on. So in order to travel to the, to the Toronto area, almost every second weekend, it got to be quite a bit. Um, so, you know, it's one, it's kind of one of the reasons that we took, uh, we took the back seat and said, okay, let's have a look at this in for a couple of seasons and see how we can really structure this in a, an appropriate way. So I'm not saying no, that we won't do it again. I think it's more about just kind of seeing the landscape and seeing what makes sense for us as a club and, and going from there. Um, you know, the experience was great. And I think the new, the new structure of the league, I love it. I mean, it's more of a European style it's really promotion cool, right? relegation. It's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think it's what's been needed uh, to keep everyone on their toes, not just a matter of, well, hey, I paid my money. I have a license and away I go. Well, now you've got to make sure that, yeah, you put a product on there, but I think it's more about developing as well. Because if you develop, if you develop within, then your, your structure will be strong regardless. So, no, I, I think it's fantastic. And it's something that West Ottawa can support. And uh, we'll have to see, you know, what happens in the future for sure. Okay. So, you know, you've gone to college, you've played pro. So I'd imagine, uh, like, I hope that that kids would see you as a pretty great resource to have around you know um you know especially if they have aspirations of their own of of, of playing at a higher level like like you know you're going to university or 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 even to the pro level um are there certain questions that kids ask you a lot yeah, it's interesting you know i'm trying to think and i would probably say yes uh but also i, I got to be careful how i answer them because my time and way of doing things 20 years ago compared to now is completely different like okay. asked me to put together a YouTube highlight tape. I couldn't do that for, you know, I couldn't even pay anyone to do it for but me. Now every, like, I, like every kid has one now. Every kid has one. Whereas it's something I didn't have to worry about in my time because, you know, we didn't have that accessibility, right? Or we didn't even have that platform. So, you know, little things like that, it was tough for me. And I was like, listen, you probably know better than I would how to structure that and how to, you know, manipulate that landscape. That landscape. Um, but, you know, some questions, a lot of questions I asked is like, what is it like? Not so much about the soccer aspect, but some things we take for granted is that when you go into these environments is, okay, you're doing the soccer, the training, maybe twice, three, you know, two, sorry, two hours, three hours a day. What about the other, you know, 20 some odd hours? What am I doing with my time? You know, how do I handle myself? How do I prepare myself mentally for those things, you know, of being on my own, being away from my friends, being away from my family? Um, so those are kind of the questions I get. Um yeah. And I try to give them as, as you know, as honest uh, as a as an opinion as I can give them. So for me, like um, you know, especially with like a podcast that's that's focusing on the grassroots, um, like there's nothing I would like more to see than than to see more kids from Ottawa join the pro ranks. Um, now you have a great vantage point uh, being in the position that you are to see like the available pathways that there are now. Um, is there anything that you would uh, that you would like to see change or like improve about the pathways? to the two pro level soccer i think this is first of all probably the best it's been ever that i can think of in terms of pathways more so on the men's side i will say so on sure. the boys yeah. slash men's side definitely i think we definitely have we have to improve more so on the women and female side of the game in terms of pathways right now the pathways really truly hopefully get a scholarship in the u.s still that's probably the best pathway for a female to hopefully maybe on there to maybe play in Europe or play NWSL, you know, where I'm, I'm hoping at some point we can have a CPL type 
league um, in Canada where, you know, that professional female player does have those opportunities to stay in youth sport if they choose as well as play in a professional environment. I think that's genius uh, what CPL has done with, with collaborating with youth sport. Um, so if we can, if we can hopefully have something like that on the female side, I think that would, uh, that would raise our level immensely. You know, especially on the men's side, like, you know, it seems like that, you know, it's the number of opportunities available to yeah. them now. Um, that's, that's really the difference maker. Um, I'm just curious, do, do the kids like talk about the CPL? Like, is, like, is that something that, that excites them or, or are they kind of focused on like premier league Europe? Uh, you know what? I think it's hard to not hear them talk about, you know, premier league, especially sure. you know, it's what we all get. You get, especially now on with the zone or whatever app it's on yeah. you get it all the time on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, wherever. Um, I, I think the CPL is, is starting to get there, but I think it's more at the older ages as they see, okay, I can maybe go to Carleton University or I can go to another university with a new sport. That's an avenue for hopefully uh, CPL at some point. But I think it's maybe more of, a, of an age group gap in regards to that uh, that observation, but maybe more of the 15, 16-year-old, they see that opportunity more with, with CPL, whereas the younger ones are just seeing, you know, Salah scored a goal for Liverpool. I want to wear my <laughs> Liverpool jersey. <laughs> right on. Well, Kwame, I think that's all the questions I got for you. Um, it's really been a pleasure to meet you. Um, so my like my club days were with Goulburn, which eventually evolved and merged to become West Ottawa. So, so it's right. good to know that my former club-ish, former club uh, is in solid hands. So, Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> it. And thanks again for having me on this platform. And uh, yeah, no, it's, been, it's been great. That was my chat with Kwame Telemach of West Ottawa Soccer Club. Once again, I want to thank him for joining. That was fantastic. And that will wrap things up for this episode. And hey, if you want to hear someone in particular on this podcast, let me know. We'll try and get them on. We'll try and make it happen. Whether it's a coach, player, super fan, volunteer, anything that shows Ottawa soccer that love and attention, I'm here for it. That's it for this episode, though. Thank you for listening. I love you for it. If you enjoyed it, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Feel free to reach out over social media. Email the stepoverpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you.